Welcome to Football with Grant Wall, special U.S. Women's National Team Olympics edition with co-host Christine Cupo. Thanks so much for joining us. The U.S. has just slammed New Zealand 6-1 today on match day two of the Olympic soccer tournament. Christine, how are you? I'm great. It's quite frankly a whole new day. I have slept. We have played. We have won. Um, this is much better feeling. This is this is an improvement. This is the way it's supposed to be, and kind of expected. New Zealand has never given the U.S. too much trouble, but despite the scoreline, I still feel like New Zealand gave the U.S. trouble at some moments and and did score a goal. Like I don't want to like be one of these people who's like nitpicking like a six-one victory here. Uh, I'm still a little concerned about some specifics with the U.S. defense, but six goals that also combined with in the first half four disallowed U.S. goals for offside, which I don't think I've ever seen before, even in a game with Alvaro Morata in it. <laughs> My poor Morata. Um, I think that yes, it was. I mean, the outcome far far better, right? But um, we had what five five lineup changes. And I'd say that despite that, both lineups were probably on par. I don't think that one was infinitely better than the other. Um, New Zealand had some chances early on that could have drastically sw- like swung this game the other way. Um, and yeah, there were also two own goals. So if you count what we scored, what we scored, what was disallowed, plus what New Zealand scored on themselves, um, it could have been a, a far different outcome. Um, but definitely looking much better. We still have some significant issues defensively that I, I don't quite understand. Dahl Kemper's had two pretty not great games. We'll call them that. Um, unlucky that she had that um, terrible clearance and then slip today. But um, it's becoming <laughs> out of the two games. It, it's clear that we've, we've got some issues back there. And I know that Twitter um, and myself are starting to wonder um, perhaps maybe a midge or someone else would have been a better choice there. I I don't disagree. I'm curious to see what happens with the lineup for the third game against Australia on Tuesday, keeping in mind that with just two rest days between games, there's going to be rotations. There were rotations for this game. Carly Lloyd started uh, where Alex Morgan did not. Uh, up front and for me like part of the first 25 minutes of this game what stood out to me was Carly Lloyd being this woman possessed out there even more than usual Uh, she looked like she wanted to kill somebody I love it I love angry Carly I'm sorry I do Um, as a New Jersey native Carly Lloyd also a New Jersey native is there something Jersey about that with Carly or or is that part of the New Jersey (laughs) soccer style Christine I don't I I don't have the data points to connect to suggest that uh, New Jersey soccer players are more aggressive, but uh, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of like where the U.S. is, we should inform everyone now. So three points today. Sweden beat uh, Australia 4-2 today in the same group. So Sweden on six points, Australia on three, the U.S. on three. The U.S. has a better goal difference than Australia. So what does that mean when the U.S. plays Australia on Tuesday? A tie or a win for the U.S. will likely give the U.S. second place in the group. A loss in the U.S. would uh, likely finish third in the group. The crazy thing is, just due to the way the tournament works and how many teams advance, 
The U.S. would probably advance almost surely, actually, with a third place finish in the group. But you don't want to have that situation happen. It just seems very likely now that Sweden's going to win the group because all they've got left is New Zealand and they're on six points. Um, and some, it's just a very interesting tournament. I'm kind of bummed out because so many games are scheduled at the same time. Because like while the U.S. game was happening, Brazil and the Netherlands had this amazing 3-3 game and I'm already thinking ahead potentially to the knockout rounds where the U.S. could face the Netherlands. Um, maybe I shouldn't think ahead that much. I, what, I what's your sense? I don't know how far we should be looking ahead, but um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that trying to track multiple games at the same time, and I'm just sort of okay. Like I guess what's happening in the other games is like no defense, just vibes. But um, I guess I'll watch that back later um, and then loop back and see what crazy things actually happened. So one thing that really stood out to me in this game was Julie Ertz and Tobin Heath both go the yes. full 90. Did that mm -hmm. surprise you? Uh, yeah. Uh, going into this tournament, I think that Ertz was still a big question just because everyone was sort of uncertain where she was in her recovery with injury and everything else. I love Julie Ertz. Always have. Um, <laughs> Not because I probably am on par with her with number of times I've played and just end up mis mystery bleeding from like a nose or something, but um, <laughs> she's super tough. Um, I I don't know if it was Vlaco testing to see just how steady she is at this point, because quite frankly, we saw last game, um, she was still pretty solid. She didn't play the whole game, um, but with Australia up ahead, I would probably be more confident playing her so to have her play a full game and then in two days um given some of the questions that were surrounding her knee and whatnot um was was shocking but same thing same thing with Tobin um but I think maybe Vlatko's a little bit uh, unsteady after the last game I'm not sure how he ended up making his decisions obviously he came in making a lot of changes which I think needed to be made but um, not sure what he envisions for, for Australia. I think this is a running storyline now, though, that in terms of the number six position, the defensive midfield position, it seems like it's Earths or bust right now, and, and at least against good teams. And yeah. to me, that's a pretty sizable concern because he into that, heading into that last game, we were told that Ertz was good for 30 to 45 minutes. She played 45 in the first game, 90 today. Um, that is a, that's a running storyline, and, and it, I don't think that's going to go away. No, I don't think so at all, and it doesn't help um, for Vlaco that Sullivan isn't here, isn't in the conversation just yet, and I feel like that's going to be like the, the soccer masses pitchfork moment um, if things go awry, right? If, things, if the ends fit, the, fit what we want them to be, then... Um, people will be pacified and they'll be content with whatever he manages to patch together with duct tape. But the last go around with, with Horan playing that it just, it didn't work. And I, I don't think that anybody would argue that it did. <laughs> yeah, no, just a brutal uh, situation in that first game for her in the six. Um, it's, it, it's interesting to me. We'll talk here. We have some questions from readers. We're going to hit the mailbag here in a bit. Um, about sort of what the ideal starting lineup is at this point. And there's uh, certain players have stood out in the first couple of games, certain players have not. Um, and, and there's a lot at stake here uh, as, as this tournament moves forward. Two more own goals. Um, like, 
it, it was a weird game in the sense that Press caused one of the own goals. Lloyd caused uh, the other one. We see, we're seeing a lot of own goals these days. We're also seeing with all of these disallowed goals for offside, a couple of things happening, I think, in the sense of with VAR, the AR has been instructed not to raise the flag unless it's just like you're 10 yards offside. So that's creating more of these types of situations. But I also think there was probably something mental here with the U.S. And like they were they came out ready to just kill everybody. And I think that made them a little over aggressive in the in the you know parts of the first half in that little margin can can cause offsides. Mm, it definitely was something. I still can't get over the fact that there were four four offside goals in, in a single half. In a single half. One of which shouldn't have been the case, right? Because the Haran yes. one looked like it was onside. Haran was, yeah. If, if anything, it was by a hair. And it would have been one of those where you bust out the tape measure and say like, okay, there's exactly four millimeters of... Um, that was a bit much, but um, he, I don't know. I, it's wild. We're, we're getting... A little bit of chaotic soccer this tournament in the weirdest ways possible. It's, I guess we're only two games in, so I guess there's still time for things to get better, question mark. Yeah. I mean, it's been a wide open tournament. I mean, literally there was a 10-3 game in this tournament and a player for Zambia, Barbara Banda, has gotten hat tricks in the first two games for Zambia. They got a 4-4 tie against China today. Um, I wanted to hit some questions here. Uh, and this one I think is, is dedicated to you because you have your pop-up cookie operation from Andrew Johnson. If today's game was a cookie, what kind of cookie would it be? Ooh, um, (laughs) that's hard. Um, I, I feel like I already had, I already did this cookie. I feel like today would have definitely been VAR because, um, (laughs) sweet a little bit spicy after because of all of those offside i mean yeah it's and certainly that haran the haran goal would have been would have been offside rule definitely not black and white extremely shades of gray um (laughs) um Mm. yeah i i oh that's funny I do have, by the way, before we get to another question, a, a, a Carly Lloyd story, just to give you a sense of how intense Carly Lloyd is. So Carly Lloyd remembers everything, sees everything in terms of media that's written about her, positive, negative, middle of the road, whatever. And I've run to a few people like this in, in my career. So uh, I've always had a good relationship with Carly going back to even before the 2008 Olympics, I did a story on, on Hope Solo uh, and her sort of estrangement within the team following what happened in the 07 World Cup. And, and it turned out Carly was one of the very few, if not the first U.S. player to sort of support Hope Solo inside the team. So I got to know Carly on that story. She you know, scored a huge goal in the 2008 Olympic final, 2012 Olympic final. Um, and obviously did what she did at the 2015 World Cup. But then I had a, a report, an insider report, when the team was negotiating with U.S. soccer. I think it was like 2017, maybe, 2018. And it was interesting because she was the biggest star on the team. And I was told by a few people wasn't kind of leading much inside the team when it came to negotiations 
on the CBA. And there was some disappointment inside the team on that. So I reported that. And I interviewed Carly about two months later when she was at Man City and I happened to be over there. It was like a podcast interview. We do the interview. And the second we're done recording, she basically yelled at me for like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> and she was so intense about the whole thing. And I, I have so much respect for Carly and everything she's achieved. And like, like I've run into a few players over the years. Whenever you like put something out there that people don't, you know that people aren't going to like. I had like given her a heads up, like this is coming via message before, but then it kind of, I didn't hear from her. But then like the second we we stopped recording, she gave me a piece of her mind for about 10, 20 minutes. And, and then she shook my hand and that was as, it. As an intense person, I both admire and fear her intensity. <laughs> um, quite frankly, I don't very often um, follow a whole lot of like player specific social media, but she's been like on fire training lately. Um, and, and I'm like, all right, get after it. Like prove everybody wrong. And I mean, she just had her 39th birthday. So, I mean, who isn't, who isn't rooting for her at this point? Pretty impressive to be starting in the Olympics at age 39 and to get to the point where she could do that. Let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Verna Law, a boutique law firm in intellectual property, including patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Verna Law's clients are largely small businesses and startups, and they focus on all aspects of intellectual property from protecting brands to inventions to artistic works. Verna Law's managing partner, Anthony Verna, is also the host of the Law & Business podcast, which you should definitely check out. With more than 60 episodes interviewing a wide variety of intriguing figures about intellectual property, copyrights, startups, and much more. You can also find Anthony Verna on Twitter at AVernaLaw, where he also tweets about soccer, by the way. Or... Go to the website, vernalaw.com. Thank you very much to Vernalaw for sponsoring this episode. Question here from Hillary Haldane. What corrections to the back line do you anticipate for the Australia match? And do you expect different forwards for the start? Um, I mean, I think my expectation in terms of forwards for starting um, for Australia, um, we'll have Rapino. I think that uh, Morgan will be back starting. I don't think that. Carly will be in there. Um, I don't know what he's, I, I think that he won't be using Tobin given he played her for 90 minutes today. Um, but I think more concerning is, is definitely defensive lineup. I think that they sort of got it right um, when they made all the substitutions today um, in the second half um, with the exception of pulling Crystal Dunn, like under no, under no circumstance should she ever come off field. Uh, I, I think that otherwise he he got it right. Um, I, I just think that right now I don't I don't necessarily trust um, Dal Kemper all that much. That to me is the big question and surprise about the defense because Dal Kemper's been really solid over the last couple of years. She's had two bad games now in a row, directly caused the one goal that New Zealand scored today. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it. Uh, because the same gaps that were there with Kelly O'Hara and that's the thing, right? Like you can only figure out sort of what's happening based on who is the constant and between both games, whether or not it's hundred percent true. That's my perception right now is we are having the same issues um, last match. And now we had 
Joel Kemper and then Sonnet, which was a little bit like, huh? Okay. Um, same problems. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, up front, I, I feel like, like you do, Morgan's going to start center forward. Uh, she's been sharp, scored today coming off the bench. Um, I think press who's also been sharp, uh, mm -hmm. will start. And then, you know, like Rapino, I guess, because she didn't start today, you would think would be sort of the choice to start on Tuesday. I don't think Rapino has been that effective. She so hasn't. Far. Actually. She hasn't. Um, I think she certainly has it in her, but, but she hasn't yet. Um, I think of our options, what we have left, you know what? And this is just an aside, but like Lynn Williams is the only one left that hasn't come off the bench yet. So I don't mm -hmm. know what, what are we saving her for Australia? Um, what, what's he got going on there? But I'm just concerned about um, our defense more than anything right now. <laughs> yeah. If we're not, if we're just vibes, no defense against Australia, we're doomed. <laughs> right. I, I assume Becky Sauerbrunn will be back uh, against Australia. Um, we haven't mentioned Rose Lavelle's name yet. Um, scored the first goal today, which was important. It was the first U.S. goal of the tournament. And I thought overall had a good performance. And she still has that ability when she gets sort of in the open field and, and can make a run down the center to, to really unbalance a defense. Mm -hmm. She definitely had that get up and go today. Um, she was the Rose that we know that she can be. Um, and she looks strong. Like I, I don't really ever question. She doesn't really ever create enough. Um, I don't know. She doesn't unsettle me ever enough to worry about her. Truly. I think that her performances are pretty consistent. Um, I trust her. So yeah, no, I think she's she's having a good tournament here. I, I, I wanted to run this tweet by you from Claire Watkins. <laughs> my my theory is that the U.S. women's national team struggles with Olympic vibes more than World Cup vibes because the Olympics happen during Leo season. <laughs> I figured this was up your alley. <laughs> um, as a Leo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, let, let me speak on behalf of the Leo constituency here. Um, I'm an August Leo. I don't know about those July Leos. They're a little bit weird. Um, we uh, maybe I, I don't know, like maybe maybe we're out there just like grandstanding and forgetting to have a little bit of substance. I don't know. Have fewer mirrors around the fields. I don't <laughs> maybe we're a little distracted. I guess I would ask you as a non-horoscope type person, or at least not someone who focuses on that stuff, what, what's the reputation that Leos have? Um, loyal, fierce, um, can be uh, sort of into um, a more luxurious lifestyle, can be a little bit egotistical. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but a very generous, um, out, um, outgoing, a little bit loud. Um, yeah, that, that maybe that is it. Maybe Claire's right. Claire's on to something. <laughs> Anything else about this particular game that, that we should hit here before we get to a couple other things? Um, no, I, I think that... Um, We've kind of seen our full offering of, of players that, that we brought on um, for this tournament. And we know what we're working with. I think that, um, well, surely enough, Vlaco, who's probably watching like hours and hours and hours and hours of tape, 
<laughs> until he sleeps at night and then probably sleeping on stacks of books just to probably absorb the extra knowledge um, is going to probably tweak things and, and sort of find our optimal starting lineup. And, and if we don't see it for Australia, then I don't know when we would. Um, I feel like that would probably be, at least for our group, um, the strongest that we need to, to come out hammering and know like what's ahead, who we're going to be most reliant upon. But I think that those names are sort of merging, right? Like, you know, that Kristen Press is, is solid, um, Julie Arts. Um, so there's certainly differentiators that are, are evident now that um, I think will we'll start to solidify and who knows, we'll come home with the gold. Fingers crossed. I mean, one point I guess I would make is from the journalistic side, I think it's a bummer that there's really no typical access to the media uh, from the U.S. players and coaches during this tournament. They're doing like Zoom calls, but I think there's probably a really interesting story to be told about what happened inside that team in the last couple of days leading up to this game and just some of the things that must have happened because losing three nothing in your opening game as the US women's national team is a shock to the system. And knowing these players over the years, I think there were probably a few that like cracked some heads inside that team. And I kind of would like to know what that story was. I mean, like the NBC people who were broadcasting the game, they said they spoke to Carly Lloyd, who yesterday, I guess, was even angrier, she said, than the day that they they lost. Um, and I always think that's interesting because he didn't see the U.S. players posting much on social media the last couple of days other than when they dressed up in their opening ceremonies gear and yeah. kind of did that inside the hotel. But I didn't see some of the ads that I've seen leading up to the first game over the last couple of days. You got the sense that that they really, something pretty intense probably happened inside that team over the last couple of days. I'm sure, but it, it's also um, these, what the average age of our players is 22 plus. So these are all people who are all, extremely experienced professionals and this is a once in a lifetime event and by that I mean the pandemic that we're still sort of in out in um that has to be impacting everyone there like getting to dress up to do the opening ceremony but doing it in your own hotel it, it's adorable and it's great for social but it still has to be taxing on all of them for just, again, the isolation of it all and not being able to fully experience every facet of the Olympics again. So I think that there certainly are stories to tell, and I'm sure that there's ones that you wouldn't even think of that will end up coming out in the long run. Yeah, I hope that opportunity happens. A um, couple other quick questions here, not so much about this game. Tolu Thomas asks, if you were czar of FIFA, which I really wouldn't want to be, um, <laughs> How would you change the women's international calendar? Would you stage the World Cup every two years? Would you add a combined Americas tournament, a Nations League? Um, got any thoughts on this? Uh, I I don't I don't I wouldn't be bumping up the World Cup calendar at all now. I think that that's silly. I would argue against that for the men too. Um, I just think it right. ends up being a far too congested schedule. I think that in the midst of COVID seeing how ramped up everything got where some teams in some leagues were playing every two days, essentially we saw the wear and tear increase the, the propensity toward more injuries um, happening and the inability to mitigate some of that, despite 
trainers and doctors and everything else. I just, I think it's, it's far too much. Um, also, I never want to be the czar of FIFA. Uh, <laughs> I like people liking me and um, yeah. Okay. I mean, what I would say is, is that I'm totally fine and would prefer that the men's and women's world cup stay once every four years. Um, in the women's game, I would really like to see starting this very second, an annual FIFA club women's world cup, because I think, that's I think that would be of, cool. That would yeah. be cool to have. Um, that I would be all right with. I think that the the pre, the existing tournaments, the big ones, leave them as they are, and then figure out in between sort of what makes sense. Um, because I think that the appetite is there, at least for from the fan perspective. Yeah, and, and I I think the club game on the women's side is just such a unrealized, untapped growth potential still as is the whole of women's soccer globally, mm -hmm. but like having an annual tournament in part, because I think it would be really interesting to see a top NWSL team play in a competitive global tournament against a top team from Europe, like Barcelona. And we're going to see that next month in an exhibition type setting in Portland with Barcelona visiting, but that's not quite the same thing. And I do think that that could be a huge, television audience grabber as well with you, you know, and stage the tournament in the U.S. one year and then the next year stage it in somewhere in Europe and then take it wherever. But like, I just would like to see FIFA start that ASAP. Definitely. I mean, any thrust behind the women's side is is a welcome one. We got a question here from Chris Klassen. Grant, Christine, in your honest opinions, would you be in favor of just eliminating the offside lock completely? I hate the VAR reviews of it and the players never know if they can celebrate or not. Thanks for all your work. We like chaos, Christine, but not that much chaos, do we? I mean, I, I'm usually team chaos, unless it's something that I'm extremely passionate about. And even then I eventually get over it weeks after whatever VAR did to me. Um, but I, I think that it just needs to be further refined. It's not in theory, it's great. The application is where we're a little bit wonky still. Um, we really, we, I don't think we need to continue to, um, to sort of push the, the burden of roughing a game onto digital review always and, and forever. But um, I think it can be a helpful tool. I just think that we need to work on its application. I, my preference at this point, and I realized that Certain leagues have done a better job with VAR and offsides than others. Um, I think the Premier League does a terrible job with it. Uh, but like MLS, I think actually does a, a good job with how they use VAR and offside. I would actually prefer that offside calls go back to just the AR and not like use VAR for other things. Right. But like for offside, like I'm okay with, with just the AR. Mm -hmm. I think I, I could get on board with that. In any case, not that they're going to listen to us, but... <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Change um, it all. I said so. We said so by decree. So we're going to wrap up here, but I just saw the schedule for Tuesday, uh, U.S. Women's National Team Australia. That kickoff, my friend, is at 4 a.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. Pacific. That's going to be a tough one to answer the bell for. <laughs> Uh, I, now we get to go back to, or at least I should say I, I get to go back to, is it better if I stay awake all night or if I take a brief nap and then wake up and watch? Um, 
the uh, the amount of recovery required. I'm gonna have like a hydration station, a coffee station. I might actually need a drink for that game. Um, <laughs> it's I'll just pre-order breakfast. These poor seamless guys are going to be like, why is this woman ordering food at 430 in the morning? And I would be like, yep, here we are. I did see you tweet. I did see you tweet that you might have uh, coffee and a mimosa, which is always an interesting combination. I feel like, you know, one up, one middle of the road. Just just keep filling the cups, especially for like a four. Oh, I mean, the West Coast has the advantage on that. I'm certainly a night person, but I'm not like a let's stay awake until 6 a.m. waiting for a game to start at 4. I tell you what, though, if the U.S. does get to the the gold medal game, that game would be at 10 p.m. Eastern, completely different schedule than all the games before it. So I want to thank the International Olympic Committee for haphazard scheduling in this tournament. Um, but I do have actually a lot more sympathy for like soccer fans in Australia right now who like far more than we do here in the U S have to get up at crazy times to watch games most of the year, uh, in international soccer. Um, that's it for now, everyone, but thanks so much for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday morning for USA, Australia. Thanks for joining me, Christine. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Christine Cooper as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world, including Christine, on Tuesday. Be safe, everyone. See you next time. Mm-hmm.